Welcome to the Firestarter Podcast. People, ideas, and conversations that move us forward. I'm your host, Willa Kammerer, and it's my passion, my purpose, and my business to make the world a better place through storytelling, which is why we're here today. We'll talk to mission-driven entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and investors, thought leaders, researchers, and experts on the front lines of the world's most pressing issues about designing and thriving in careers of impact. My guest today is Kate Williams, CEO of 1% for the Planet, a nonprofit organization headquartered in Vermont that connects dollars with doers to accelerate smart environmental giving. And I'm proud to say that Firestarter Interactive is a member, committing 1% of our annual sales to environmental causes alongside more than 3,975 fellow business members from 70 countries. Kate has a broad range of experience as a nonprofit and community leader, working at local, state, regional, national, and international levels. Prior to joining 1% for the Planet, Kate was executive director of the nonprofit Northern Forest Canoe Trail and has served as board chair for the National Outdoor Leadership School, or NOLS, and is a board member of Shelburne Farms. She has a BA from Princeton University and Master of Science from MIT Sloan School of Management in Systems Thinking and Organizational Development. Kate began at 1% for the Planet in 2014 as Director of Partnerships before taking on the role of CEO in 2015. During her tenure, membership has multiplied and continues to grow at record pace and expand in international reach. In our conversation, we talk about how 1% may not seem like a lot, but really adds up to big impact the importance of growing philanthropic giving in the environmental space, and what energizes Kate and keeps her deeply engaged in the work she's doing and hopeful about the future. I so enjoyed our conversation and can't wait to share it with you today. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. So thrilled to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So you are the CEO of 1% for the Planet. Um, Can you kind of walk us along the pathway that led you to the helm of 1% for the Planet? which is kind of at this nexus of environmental impact, business, philanthropy. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was a combination of planning and serendipity, which I actually think is the way most good things in life happen. So my career path, the planning part was, you know, basically shaped by a commitment to the outdoors and to the environment from right when I graduated from college. And you know, it was initially as an outdoor educator, but then I moved into the environmental nonprofit space and really became interested in leadership. And so kind of over time, different career choices led me to being executive director of another nonprofit, um, which where I was for 10 years, which actually really gave me those sort of skills preparation. Um, And then when I was ready to leave that job was when the serendipity came in. I um, happened to be um, located near the 1% of the planet offices and was talking to a friend of mine who was actually the, you know, worked there at the time and one thing led to another. So I was able to join the organization first as the director of partnerships. And then a year later I became the CEO. So I'm very, very glad to be where I am. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful place to, to get to work for the world. Definitely. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with the 1% for the planet model, can you kind of share a little overview of it? Sure. Yeah. So 1% for the planet is a global network of members. We have businesses and individuals who are members and any member in our network becomes a member by committing to giving their 1%. So in the case of businesses, that's 1% of top line sales or revenues Um, going back to the environment. And what that means for us is that's giving, going directly to nonprofits. And our team supports those businesses to, you know, figure out who to give to. We have that expertise in environmental philanthropy. So um, we help to, you know, identify the strategic giving partnerships for the businesses and just really work with them in whatever ways they need to implement that giving. And then we certify it annually. And so just to like, be super clear on that the giving goes directly from the businesses to the nonprofits it doesn't pass through us we're not a foundation and the beauty of that is that the giving happens in the form of direct partnerships Um, so the companies really form these wonderful direct relationships with the nonprofit partners 
Um, and on the individual side, it's um, quite similar, um, but more of a kind of you identify your 1% and then we hold you to that. Um, and as I said, we're a global network. So we have about 4,500 business members, close to 1,000 individual members. And collectively, we're, that network is now giving more than $30 million annually. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm happy to say Firestarter Interactive is, is part of the network now, which we're really happy about. Um, you know, and 1%. May not seem like a lot, but I think just to be clear also, you know, um, it's 1% of revenue or sales, not just 1% of profit, you know. Can you talk a little bit more just about kind of that that real collective, collective impact and just how those 1% really do add up? Yeah, such a great point. So, so for the individual member, 1% is also a big number. Um, and again, it can seem like oh, well, why only 1%? And we definitely get that question because sometimes we think of that as, you know, a small percentage. Um, but when you're, you know, if anyone has managed a business or even if you look at your sort of, you know, income over the course of a year, you know, 1% can be a pretty big number and particularly when it's revenues um, for a business, like thinking about that, it's revenues. So on one way in which it's important is that it is a big number. Another way in which it's important is that revenues happen ideally they happen regardless of whether you have a good year an up year or a down year a good year or a bad year um and so you know it, it's a commitment to giving back no matter what and so it really means a lot so it's not just like hey when we have enough profits we'll give back it's like you know when we do business we give back that's how we operate so it's a really important message and then as you said it becomes even bigger and more powerful when you consider that it is all part of this global network, which is so, so powerful um, because 1% here adds up with 1% there, adds up with 1% there, and it totals a lot. And it's a lot in terms of the dollars. So I mentioned more than 30 million annually um, and growing, you know, we're growing a lot, but it's also a lot in terms of like the power of that giving. So these are businesses who are coming together to say this is an important part of doing business. So it has, you know, it has implications for the whole economy in terms of sort of setting the standard for giving and engagement. Yeah, I love how democratic the model is too. You know, you'll have a big business and their commitment is 1% and that's kind of the, still the same slice out of their annual pie, you know, as, as a tiny business, you know, giving their 1%, but, you know, everyone can kind of come together saying, you know, we're committed to this. So I just think it's a really cool model in that way. Absolutely. I so appreciate you bringing that up because that's one of my favorite parts about it. So at our annual summit, which unfortunately we have not had annually this year, but we will have it in 2022. Um, but, you know, when I share our successes and one of the biggest things that we point to is that giving number, that impact number, because that's, that's what it's all about is getting the dollars out to these amazing nonprofits. And when we share that number, what's so cool is it's not like there's a, you know, a platinum class of businesses who get to sort of be the ones who are most honored. Everyone is given their 1%, you know, so that number truly belongs to everyone. So you're absolutely right. It is just a, a wonderful democratic model, which is not common in philanthropy. So that's one of the things that's really valuable about, about the 1% for the planet model. Definitely. And I'm um, speaking of philanthropy, you know, it's, it's given the, you know, kind of array of really pressing environmental issues we're facing, you know, from climate change to wildfires and plastic in the oceans and on and on and on, you know, it's, it's pretty staggering. I think last statistic I read was something like 3% mm -hmm. of philanthropic giving goes to the environment, you know, how, What's your perspective on that, you know, and how is 1% for the planet trying to change that? Yeah, well, my, my fundamental perspective is that that's not enough. That's not okay. You know, there's, there's something amiss there. Because um, 3% of total philanthropy, I mean, you know, it, the total philanthropy has gone up. So that's good. You know, we've seen an increase in total philanthropy. So that 3% incrementally does go up. But it's been stuck at 3% for at least a decade. Um, and as we all well know, the scale of issues facing our planet from climate change to plastics to pollution to wildlife extinction, you know, the list goes on, are accelerating and need attention. And the nonprofit sector plays a unique and important role. So, you know, it 
you could say, well, you know, those dollars, it's only 3% of philanthropy, but all these other things are happening. And it's like, well, good. All those other things like impact investing and businesses building more sustainability and share practices, that's awesome. And we need that. But nonprofits, it's really important to us that people, you know, come to understand that nonprofits play a unique and critical role. So nonprofits can go where there's not a market. So they can do things that a, a business can't do and may not be able to do. Maybe they build the space for a business, but in the meantime, you know, deciding to protect the Northern Jaguar, there's not necessarily a business model for that. And we maybe don't want a business model for that, but we definitely want the Northern Jaguar protected um, or the polar bear. And so, you know, it's really, really important that we recognize that philanthropy is the way that we invest in those things that are values that we share ideally as a, you know, a global community um, and, you know, are able to keep those going. So clearly we feel that it's very important that that 3% goes up. One of the things that we have heard from some of our members is one of the reasons that it's hard to give to environmental philanthropy is it's overwhelming. Like, what do I do? Like, I do care about climate change. I do care about polar bears. I do care about the plastics on the beach um, in my town. You know, the list, again, the list goes on. Um, but I don't know what to do. And so one of the values of 1% for the planet is that we help people, help businesses and individuals to take that step to sort of be able to move into driving change and to feeling like they can see how they're making a commitment that's resulting in real impact. And that by doing it year over year, joined with other people, it adds up to big change. So super important to us. And, and we're, you know, we feel so honored to be part of a network that is growing, that is driving real change and, you know, putting some pressure on that 3%. Definitely. Well, we'll hope it keeps ticking upward. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that's a really good point that, you know, I think we kind of live in a time too. it's like business can solve everything, but you know, that the truth is business can't solve everything, you know, at the flip side of it is, you know, what's, you know, businesses do have a lot of power, you know, what do you see as kind of the power and responsibility for businesses to, you know, use their activities to kind of help fuel, you know, kind of positive change, you know, for the planet? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, if you think about it as businesses, government and nonprofits, and, you know, it's interesting because sometimes I'll hear people say like, you know, if businesses get it right, we won't need nonprofits anymore. Or when we have a government that's oriented towards the environment, then we don't need businesses to do as much. And my view is that we all need to be taking responsibility and, and moving, you know, making the efforts that we are able to make in our particular roles um, to make it a, a more thriving, healthy and just planet. Like there's always room for us to do that work together. And so in terms of businesses, I think what's been really great to see, and this has been a, you know, I think a wonderful movement over the couple of decades that 1% for the planet has been around, certainly not just as a result of, our efforts, but we've certainly been a part of it. And that is of businesses really realizing that, that they have an opportunity through the way they, you know, exist on the earth through their footprint to make choices that are either more impact, less impact or net positive, you know, so from, you know, negative through neutral to positive, like businesses can make choices about how their operations um, show up in that way. They can make choices about how their products tie to sustainable activities. And one of the great things of that, I would say the last like five years is how much consumer interest has started to put positive pressure on businesses. And so now what's really great is that it's like, you know, just a fact that it's good for business to do things that are good for the planet. So I, you know, I think for businesses now, the challenge is just to, you know, figure out sort of how to do that in ways that integrate and, um, you know, kind of work within their business models. And 1% for the planet has been a really great step and stepping stone and catalyst for a lot of businesses to really move into driving change, which then leads to other changes, which then leads to other changes. So I think there's really wonderful opportunities for businesses right now. I love seeing it and I love seeing how many businesses are just so creatively and wholeheartedly stepping into it. Cause you know, the other way, you know, I'm all positive about all this, but there's some very real problems and 
you know, there's some very real issues that we need to solve. So again, we need everyone. We need government, we need nonprofits, and we need businesses. And so it's great to see more of that coming together. Definitely kind of whichever pathway in, you know, you know, just kind of on a personal note, you know, when I was in college, you know, just down the street from 1% for the planet headquarters in Middlebury, Vermont, um, you know, I, I kind of had this transformative moment, you know, a friend, um, you know, and just thinking about, you know, business nonprofits, you know, how to make a positive impact, um, you know, a friend loaned me a book, which was Let My People Go Surfing by um, the founder of Patagonia and also 1% for the Planet, Yvonne Chouinard. And, um, you know, reading that book prior, I, it was probably my sophomore, maybe my junior year. And, you know, up until that point, I thought, okay, I want to, I was an environmental studies minor, you know, I, I wanted to make a positive impact, but I kind of thought that the only way to do that was by, oh, I'll just get a job at a nonprofit because that's basically kind of the only pathway, you know, but reading that book and his story of founding Patagonia and kind of the ethos embedded into it, you know, just really kind of changed my perspective on that. Um, You know, I just kind of love just that business can be this real force for good as well. You know, Um, I'd love any reflections you want to share. You know, I know you've worked in the nonprofit, kind of on the focused on the nonprofit, you know, side as well. And now you're working with all these impact-driven businesses. So I just kind of love your perspective on all that. Yeah, terrific question, which I have a couple of answers to. One is just like timing-wise. So when I graduated from graduate school in the mid-1990s, it honestly didn't occur to me, given my commitment to working on behalf of the environment, didn't occur to me that working in the for-profit sector was an option. Not to say that there weren't people at that time who were starting to make changes, and I wish I had met them sooner. <laughs> and But really, you know, I think the lay of the land was such that, for the most part, given my inclinations, um, the nonprofit sector was where I saw my career needing to play out. And I've loved it, so no regrets there. But I, it was, you know, what I perceived to be my pathway. When I talk to people now who are graduating from graduate school who have those same inclinations it's great to be able to say like the world is open to you you know think about your skills think about the kinds of things that you want to do think about how you want to spend your days think about what kind of environment work environment works best for you and then you know you could go for profit or nonprofit, and you could have a purpose-driven impact positive career either way so I do think there has been really fabulous evolution and, you know, Yvonne and his book definitely, you know, we hear from so many members that that was pivotal for them. So really, you know, that was a kind of game changer moment. And then I do again, think that consumers have really led a lot of the change as well. Yeah. You know, I, so I, you know, I never, at that time it didn't click like, Oh, I want to like, go into business, build a business, but I, you know, it was kind of like the early click and I didn't realize, you know, so eventually I kind of became an accidental, you know, reluctant entrepreneur like Yvonne, Um, you know, and in running my business, you know, this idea of kind of doing well by doing good just has always, you know, really resonated. Um, And again, I think, as you said, you know, there, there just is this kind of like growing demand from consumers and kind of movement around that. Um, You know, what's the kind of, what's like the pitch, the like opportunity and the, you know, upside for businesses to really embed this kind of commitment, you know, into their ethos, their marketing, and just, you know, kind of every aspect of their doing business. I mean, there are many different ways that businesses can do that. I think the, um, you know, the, the pitch is that um, it's good for the planet. It's good for your business. It's um, and it's good for your business in a bunch of different ways. And so different business members in our network kind of activate that in different ways. But, you know, you use the phrase, you know, do good and do well. And, you know, one example of one of our great members who's really leveraged their 1% as how they kind of engage their whole employee community. And I think their larger community in sort of tracking how they're doing is um, Maine Beer Company. They're a really fabulous company based right outside of Portland, Maine. And basically the way they measure their success is by how much they give each year as their 1%. And like at one level, that's semantics because it's 1% of their total revenues. But what we talk about matters, right? So if what you're talking about is this is our 1% this year, this is how much we're giving away. 
that has a lot that has different values communicated across your community than just talking about your revenues, which isn't a bad thing. Like I'm not saying it's bad to take the approach of talking about your revenues and then saying, therefore we can give this 1%, but like Maine Bear Company has just done such a beautiful job of really creating that as their key metric in a way that, you know, helps helps everyone in their company to really see what it means to be successful. So, you know, that's one example of, you know, using the way that you think about success um, as an expression of the value of 1% for the planet, of the 1% commitment. So, and there, again, there are many others. So, you know, I think the pitch is that it gives you a way to operationalize and embed in a very sort of disciplined financial way values that you can then talk about at every level of the organization from your sort of financial metrics to your brand and marketing to your employee engagement to your customer loyalty. Again, like each company is going to play it a little differently, but it becomes core and and embedded in a way that kind of gives you all of those options, which is super powerful. Definitely. And I will say, you know, from the inside, you know, 1% for the planet does a fantastic job with, you know, sharing different assets, you know, around campaigns and just so that, you know, it really can easily be embedded into kind of the marketing and communication side of things. So you do a really great job on that. Great. Thank you. Um, I'll radiate that out to my team who's, who do the heavy lifting on all of that. Please do. <laughs> so, you know, you've been with 1% for the planet for over seven years now. You know, what kind of evolution have you seen, you know, in the membership community and the kinds of issues that members are focused on and, um, you know, just the evolution of the network itself? Yeah, it's a great question. And we've just been doing some thinking about that because we saw a lot of growth over the last couple of years. And so a couple the stats that are interesting. One is we are now 52% international and 48% U.S. When I started, and I don't have the exact ratio, but it was probably more like 70 U.S., 30% international. So big shift international, which is great. Um, the world is big. You know, the more global we can be, the more sort of accurate we are to the impact that we are supporting. And, you know, lots of growth in the U.S., but lots of growth internationally as well. Numbers-wise, we were about 1,100 business members when I started. And as I mentioned earlier, we're now 4,500 business members and more than 1,000 individual members. So, you know, significant growth in the numbers. Our industry composition has also been evolving a lot. We have no more than 10% of our network in any single industry. Like people definitely sort of think of us as like the outdoor industry, but it's that's not true. Like we of course have strong ties there and we, you know, have strong ties in, in a lot of different industries, but we're really spread across, you know, many different sectors, which is great. So we have housewares, we have um, increasing growth in like finance and different service industries, which is really great. We have um, food and beverage, apparel, uh, skincare, you know, the list goes on and it's really spread out, which is really wonderful. And again, each of these businesses is activating in a slightly different way. So there's this collective power, but there's also this like these individual voices um, within it, which is, you know, a really great thing to see. And I think that's a real evolution from where we were. Um, and then our staff has grown. When I started, we were, um, I don't remember the exact number. I know it's not that long ago, but so much change has happened that I actually don't remember. It was maybe 10, 11 staff members. And we were, I think with one exception, all based in Vermont. And we're now 20 staff members. We're about to hire five more. We have more hiring on deck. Um, and we're, you know, we're probably trending towards being 50% in Vermont and 50% like remote in different locations, which is also a great trend. So lots of evolution, I would say. Definitely and exciting. And, you know, in, in kind of preparation for our conversation, I heard you, you know, talking, you know, maybe it was on another podcast about how during, you know, the pandemic, actually, growth has been strong, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but it's not necessarily the kind of narrative that anyone would have anticipated. No, ourselves included. Yeah. So a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, you know, I was probably not talking on a podcast. I was like looking at a spreadsheet, doing a reforecast of our budget, thinking like, 
this is going to get tight because you, you know, at that time things were starting to really shut down and, you know, the economy was tightening up and we've always been, you know, seen ourselves as very tied closely to the economy. And then month after month, April, starting in April. So right away we were, you know, we beat the prior year every single month. And, um, you know, by summer, we were kind of accepting it as, you know, at first it's like, well, that was just like momentum. Well, those are conversations that we had before the pandemic. Like we were still like, it's going to get ugly. Um, but then we started realizing like, no, actually we're not, we're, we need to understand this differently. And we really started to listen to, um, you know, those, uh, those who are joining. And we also kind of, that's when we dug into some of the dynamics of our network in ter terms of that spread across different industries. And, you know, so we learned some great things that really carry beyond the pandemic, you know, first is just that industry spread. So we're very diverse industry wise, so that if a couple industries are down, a couple sectors are down, we still have a lot of strength elsewhere. So that's really great. So it's a very robust, resilient network in that way. From the new members joining, we also started hearing some really interesting things. Like on the one hand, some people said, like, I finally have the time. That was just interesting. That is not necessarily something that lasts beyond the pandemic. But what does seem to be more durable is just there was this awareness of people articulating an awareness of, you know, things can get bad or can change because there were some, you know, response changes that were positive last year. Big change can happen globally really fast. Like we now see that we get that. And so I think it was very eye-opening for a lot of us, myself included, I would say. And so for some of those members, they realized like, I can't, I can't keep waiting to do the thing that I mean to do or the thing that's right um, or the thing that is a way in which I'm leveraging the tool I have, which happens to be a business, to make a positive contribution to the planet. And it was great to see, too, because the other thing we were concerned about is that, like, will, you know, concern for the environment continue to exist you know will that get so overshadowed and of course we wanted you know support to go to the immediate you know health issues that you know very much needed that support but it was you know it was great to see that you know in a, in a sort of abundance mindset that people also were seeing like we got to keep our eye on a healthy planet for the long term because it's all connected so i think there was a really some really amazing learnings and you know i just was so impressed with the many people that I spoke with and that I know our team spoke with, with just the kind of wisdom that emerged out of last year and the action. And so, yeah, we had a record year in terms of new members and in terms of giving. So really amazing. That's awesome. You know, just sometimes I think everyone needed a little bit of this pause moment, you know, to kind of reflect on what's important and, you know, what kind of future do we want to build and create? So, um, so, you know, in that giving, you know, are there, I'm interested kind of in the course of your time, you know, with 1% for the planet, you know, are there, you know, issues that have just been kind of perennial, really important issues, you know, are there kind of new issues that are getting a lot of attention from members and are there issues where you'd like to see more attention? Yeah, yeah I'd say the shifts that have happened thus far are um, towards more giving to climate change. Um, you know, I remember when I first started, that was when climate, I mean, we know it's still a political issue, unfortunately, but it was political to the extent that even to, um, you know, that we were sometimes a little more reluctant to, or I shouldn't say reluctant, but like we were more aware that it was, um, you know, something that was a little more partisan. Um, although I shouldn't even go there it, it, because it's continued to be very partisan, but bottom line, like more businesses are giving to climate change issues. Um, and that's, you know, that's been an, an interesting shift. I think there have been more like concrete ways that people can implement giving to climate change. And that's been useful. And also just more businesses really, you know, since COP21, I would say really sort of stepping into the business role relative to climate change. Um, in the last couple of years, we've, we have seen and we have also pushed a shift towards more awareness of environmental justice and how giving can be implemented to support that. And that's an area where we, you know, would love to see more growth and where we are actively sort of working to, you know, highlight those nonprofits in our network that are doing amazing work at that sort of more intersectional space. 
And then um, we are also looking to bring in new nonprofits um, and to, you know, really help educate ourselves and our members about that opportunity to give around that. Definitely. So, you know, what, like, what role does storytelling play, you know, in all of this, you know, communicating with members, communicating with the public, you know, both about the brand and the importance of giving just, I'd love your perspective on that. Yeah. Storytelling is huge. I mean, in, in many ways it is like the primary way that we communicate impact because, you know, we have, as I mentioned currently, like in the last year, like 30 million in certified giving. And as we were talking about the democratic nature of our network, that's made up of, you know, $500, $200 gifts and, you know, several hundred thousand dollar gifts and everything in between. And so it's, it's a lot of transactions, (laughs) a lot of different gifts. And so um, we are not able to, nor, nor do we feel that it's, you know, our um, space to tell the direct impact story of every single one, you know, how many acres, because that, that's the story of the nonprofits. Um, but what we can do is kind of ladder those up into collective stories of, you know, and, and our team does a great job of, you know, different blog posts and things communicating the collective impacts in different areas. And so we're doing that. Uh, individual nonprofits are telling the story of sort of their impact on the ground, which often has, you know, much more many more of the like specifics of what's happening um, with their dollars. And then our members are telling the story of their partnership and their giving. And so all of those stories together sort of create this overall, you know, really powerful message around the opportunity of environmental giving. And, you know, I was mentioning earlier how people can feel really overwhelmed. And I think what stories do is they, they enable us to like connect and have a, emotional response or to see and visualize how philanthropy can drive change. And so that's really important because I think the stories then not only to serve to, you know, communicate what has been done with dollars, but also to invite people into being part of doing more. Definitely helps kind of put a face, whether it's an animal face or a tree face or human face, you know, to that $30 million. Um, All right. Well, I think this is a perfect time to take a short break and we will be right back. Here at Firestarter Interactive, we're proud members of the 1% for the Planet network of businesses, having made the commitment to donate 1% of annual revenue to environmental causes. So for every dollar that we earn, one cent goes back to planet Earth and our mission to make the world a greener, healthier place for our generation and for future generations. That's $1 of every $100, $10 of every thousand. It may not sound like a lot, but every dollar adds up and collectively we can and are making a huge impact. With 1% for the Planet members giving back more than $280 million and counting to the environment. Visit 1%fortheplanet.org. That's 1% for the planet, all spelled out, to learn more. We hope you'll join us. And we're back. So we're going to switch gears a little bit and kind of dig a little more into your personal kind of story and, uh, you know, motivation behind all of this work. Um, You know, I'm curious how you relate to this idea of, you know, connecting with your purpose and your why, you know, does that resonate with you, you know, in your own life and work? Very much so. In fact, and I've been fortunate and, and I chose this, but I'm, I've been fortunate in the sense that um, I've, you know, kind of gradually realized the value of it. I've been fortunate kind of to always have a purpose, drive my work. At times that's been challenging financially because, um, you know, I was an outdoor educator and, you know, made different professional choices that, um, you know, weren't oriented towards the paycheck. Um, but the wealth of purpose has always been quite high. And um, as I'm now in this role and doing this work, and, you know, this has really been the case for much of my career, I've worked really, really hard. And sometimes it is hard and, you know, challenging things to figure out operationally or whatever. And, you know, and I know that's the case for anyone who's working, like work is hard a lot of the times and in good ways and in ways that we, that are fulfilling, but, you know, it can be hard. And I think, 
the purpose is what pulls you through or what pulls me through. So for me, you know, having a sense of, you know, why we're, you know, wrestling to figure out how to be more efficient in our operations and like really tackling some challenging internal um, things to figure out, like, which are, you know, par for the course for running any organization. So I'm not saying they're out of the norm, but like knowing that it's toward the purpose of serving our members better, serving our nonprofits better, providing a community with the best experience so that it grows and we're able to do more giving, like, you know, that's a really amazing motivator. So even when the going gets tough, you have that sense of like, okay, I know what I'm doing this for. Um, and that keeps you going. And I can imagine the, for me at least, not having that purpose um, would make it pretty hard to, you know, stick through those, those harder times when you couldn't really discern what the why was. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, what, what advice would you have, you know, maybe for a student, you know, a younger person, or maybe someone, you know, kind of at a career juncture, just wanting to feel more connected, you know, more meaning and, you know, kind of impact in their work, you know, what, what advice would you have for them to kind of seek that out, you know, and connect with that? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. One is, um, you know, I think it almost anywhere, and I, I know not everywhere, but almost anywhere you can sort of bring your why to bear. And the first step is like discerning, like what motivates me? Like, and that's hard. I'm not saying that's easy. I ask it in a simple way. It's a hard question to answer, but like investing some time and sort of discerning, you know, what is it that motivates me? And if it's, you know, making sure that my colleagues that I work with each day have a better experience because of their work with me, that's, that's a contribution to making the world a better place. Like that to me is purposeful engagement. And that opportunity is there for most of us most of the time. Again, I recognize that like some, and we've all been in situations where that feels challenging, but you know, that it, it can be at that scale. If you are someone that as you are discerning your why, it's like, no, you know, I need the follow through of my work, the impact of my particular job to be good for people, for planet, for my community, whatever it may be, you know, then the outcome is something that you want to focus on. And so then you can start looking like, all right, if I know my outcome is about, you know, giving people in my community a better experience, then, you know, then that can help you to sort of orient toward what, you know, what kind of purpose you want to drive. So discernment would be my one first piece of advice. What's your why? And then the other thing that I think is really important to think about is, you know, each of us have different skills that we are both good at or like want to become good at or, um, and, or that like are the ones that we feel good while we're doing, you know, that we're in flow state when we're doing those, you know, that could be being an accountant. It could be writing. It could be, you know, working collaboratively, collaboratively, you know, could be leading, um, you know, there are many different ways and, and each of us end up like doing stuff all day and we don't necessarily all get to do our sort of flow state work all day, every day, but you do want to think about like, what is it that you would most want to do all day? Because I think sometimes when I have talked to people, I've realized they're feeling frustration about their job and some of it can feel like it's a lack of purpose, but sometimes it's also just that they're, they're doing things that aren't kind of the work that they most want to do at just a super practical level. So I think nonprofits and any purpose driven um, enterprise, they need people to bring real skills to bear. So what you want to try and marry is, you know, the why the purpose that drives you with the skills that you you know, like slash want to develop slash know are the ones that you want to lean into. And when you can put those two together, you know, that's when I think you do feel that kind of strength of purpose that enables you to, you know, keep learning, keep sort of pushing through the hard times. And I think that's one of the things I love about the job I'm in right now is like, you know, my days are, you know, full and challenging and, you know, lots of questions and, you know, unpredictable things coming up. But I love what I'm doing. And for me, the like sweet spot is leading and like figuring out how to bring a team along in an aligned way and how to bring a network along in an aligned way. I love that's the way my brain works. So I love what I'm doing. And I feel 
so committed to our larger mission. So it's, you know, I, I have found that intersection and I, I know there have been times in my life when I haven't had that. And so I know what it feels like to be kind of out of sync with that. And you have to, you have to do some of that to figure it out. But I do think bringing those two together is really, really important. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think sometimes when you think of those kind of like big words, you know, your purpose, you know, or your why, it can feel like you can kind of focus on the impact, you know, less on kind of like the nuts and bolts of like how you're actually spending your hours and your days. But, um, you know, to really achieve that kind of full alignment, you know, kind of all all the layers need to be aligned. So I think that's a really kind of nice perspective on it. Um, you know, I'm curious if there are any kind of... Uh, mindsets or philosophies, you know, that you've kind of carried with you through your life and work that, you know, you credit with part of your success? I would say, and I didn't like know this term until more recently, but growth mindset. I'm, I've definitely always been a learner um, and, you know, really much prefer like lots of kind of ongoing direct feedback and, you know, the ability to kind of learn as I go and as I grow and and I think um, you know it's interesting now being where I am like realizing that never stops and that's a good thing because for me that's what keeps it you know engaging and exciting and creative and that's how you build great connections with people is by being just constantly open to the learning and and that means like you know as we know like learning is what happens like on the edge of your comfort zone so there are definitely times when it's like oh for crying out loud like I just want to be comfortable sometimes but you know, in truth, uh, that sort of staying in the learning space, I would say, has been a really important um, part of who I am and definitely part of what, like, gives, continues to give me energy and sort of makes me so grateful for the people around me because then they all are, you know, part, you know, they're, they're teaching me great things every day from the newest staff member to, you know, people I've worked with for a while to my board members to members. And, and I hope I'm um, giving the favor back. Um, but, you know, definitely that sort of growth or learning mindset is, is super important to me. Well, I'm sure you are giving it back. And, uh, you know, uh, speaking of kind of energy and, you know, um, you know, what you can bring to your work, you know, you live in beautiful Vermont, you know, and I'm curious if, there's a relationship for you, you know, between kind of your environment and, um, you know, what you're able to bring, you know, and kind of invest in your work because of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think I happen to live at the dead end of a dirt road and, you know, this past year I've spent a lot more time at home than I had in a long time. And, you know, so lots of like long walks outside and uh, I'm a runner. So, you know, lots of runs outside. And I would say for me as a leader um, in a, you know, sometimes, like high pressure, busy role, the, you know, getting outside with my feet on the ground, you know, running or hiking or walking the dog is super important from a, you know, it's my, it's part of my sort of mindfulness and, you know, meditation and just keeps me centered. So I would say that that's really important. And I'm very, very grateful that I get to have that as part of my life. I would say on the, on the other side, like the relationships with people across our network are, you know, so that's not about place, but it's kind of about context. You know, that's the other kind of fuel for me because there's so many amazing now friends. I can you know, consider them friends, like, and, and people I'm just getting to know in our network and my staff who are just like such an inspiration. And so I do get a lot of, you know, energy and, um, fuel from that. And so, you know, some of them are based in Vermont, but many of them are based elsewhere. So, you know, I, I do appreciate that sort of combination of like being super grounded in a place. And I, I'm very grateful for that, the, you know, that gift of having a, a home that connects me to place in such a powerful way and for the reach of those incredible relationships um, beyond that grounded place. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think those are it's kind of a nice dual dual perspective. Um, you know, is is there anything kind of looking back that you know to be kind of true and important, you know, at this stage of life that maybe you didn't know at an earlier stage in life? Yeah, I'm sure there are things. I mean, in many ways, like I feel like as I get older, we can use that word. 
um, not just at this stage, but, you know, I feel like I'm more patient with the fact that change and learning are ongoing. I think as someone who is younger, there's a little bit more of a sense that, you know, there was a journey that had kind of a destination. <laughs> not that I knew what the destination was, but now I'm aware that like, you know, the, the great thing is, is that the journey continues um, and that there's always good work for us to do, which doesn't, and I don't say that at all in the sense of like, I don't want to, you know, have real outcomes as a result of the work I'm doing on this planet, but I'm aware that part of the outcome is continuing to do the work and continuing to engage people in the work. So then it's much more than anything I can do alone. So, yeah, I think it's that I'm, I'm just more um, accepting of and energized by the fact that the journey continues. The process. So speaking of, you know, the continuation of the journey, you know, looking ahead to the next decade, you know, kind of whatever you, what are your hopes, you know, for one person for the planet, you know, for the planet itself? Yeah, Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I feel super energized to just continue the growth. You know, we are a nonprofit where growth is how we drive impact. So growth and giving is more going to our nonprofits and that's more change happening on the ground. And there's a lot of work that goes into that growth. So we're really, you know, as an organization in terms of how we're working with our nonprofits, in terms of how we engage our companies, you know, there's so many different aspects to growing well. So, you know, really focused on that with the end goal of, you know, back to our focus on philanthropy and that sort of 3%, like really sort of pushing that and getting more dollars into the hands of more wonderful nonprofits driving change on the ground and continuing to, you know, innovate and evolve the ways that we're able to to do that. So, you know, looking to grow some beyond our traditional membership model and, you know, explore other ways that we can bring our environmental philanthropy to bear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know, you know, it's just kind of interesting how I think there's been an increased emphasis on the kind of individual um, membership opportunities, yeah. you know, um, kind of any, any ways you're excited about kind of evolving the different ways to kind of get involved? Yeah, that's a great question. We are definitely, you know, double down, doubling down on growing that this year. So we've kind of had a refresh of our individual member program based on what we've learned in our kind of early years of the program. So we're doing some really great things. Like we just had our first giving circle meeting last week. So we have started a giving circle for our individual members, and that's going to be a great new addition, a way for people to come together and make a collective decision about their giving. Um, we're offering, uh, uh, what we call a planet impact portfolio. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, it can be overwhelming to figure out how to give to the environment. So this portfolio is a pre-selected set of nonprofits in this case, focused primarily on environmental justice. And, you know, someone would say, great, they've done all the hard work for me. I can give to the portfolio and, and my gift will be distributed across those nonprofits. And I can feel really great about that. So we are going to be doing some more kind of outreach generally about our our um, individual member program with those offerings as kind of some centerpieces. So definitely looking to grow individual membership, uh, looking to continue to grow our business membership. And then, as I said, continuing to you know, innovate and explore the ways that we can grow beyond both of those. Definitely. I really love that idea of the portfolio. That's such a, you know, just unique approach to it. Um, Great. You know, before we sign off, are there any other, you know, reflections you'd like to share with our listeners on, you know, life impact? I guess just to connect some dots of what I've already said, you know, I I mentioned, you know, that one of my takeaways at this stage in my life is that the journey continues. And, and I, you know, I think the earlier you can embrace that perspective, the more you can really lean into whatever the work is that you're doing. And, um, you know, I, I know for me, I can speak for myself earlier on, I would sometimes get impatient. Um, and that's good. Like impatience pushes us to push harder, but sometimes also it causes us to sort of miss opportunities for the long game. And so just would encourage people to sort of think about that coupled with like discerning your why and sort of think through like any work that's really worth it is going to need your investment for the long haul. So what's your why, you know, what are the things that you, the skills, the sort of ways you spend your day um, that most fire you up? 
that you want them to be the journey you're still on um, when you're, you know, at that next stage in your life. So I think that's, you know, that's a great opportunity. And, you know, for those of you who are individuals, for those of you who have a business, you know, I think thinking about how, what role community plays for you. And I know for 1% for the planet, the role of community is huge. And so I would just invite, you know, anyone out there who's thinking about wanting to get engaged to consider business or individual membership, because it is a really powerful, wonderful community. Definitely. Well, we're happy to be a part of it and just, you know, thank you for this really, you know, thoughtful and inspiring conversation. It's been really nice to have you here. My pleasure. Such great questions. And I loved uh, the chance to talk with you. Thank you. So how can our listeners, you know, learn more about one first 1% for the planet, you know, and joining as a individual or business member, where can, where can they find yeah, you? Super easy. Our, our website is 1% for the planet.org all spelled out in letters. Um, and there you'll find information about what we're doing, our stories, our community, how to join, how to donate. And you can also find links to all of our social um, where we're quite active. Um, so definitely would encourage people to check all that out. And I encourage them as well. So thank you so much, Kate, and uh, look forward to sharing this. Thank you. thank you for sharing another episode of the Firestarter podcast people, ideas, and conversations that move us forward. If you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to the podcast, find show notes, as well as the video of today's show at firestarterix.com slash podcast. That's firestarterix.com slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Willa Kammerer, that's K-A-M-M-E-R-E-R, and at firestarterix and I'm Willa Kammerer on LinkedIn. This is the Firestarter Podcast. I'm your host, Willa Kammerer, and I can't wait to share our next conversation. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and let's stay busy making the world a better place.